People say he ain't no good And I'm crazy as a loon Cause I shave my head in the morning Pick guitar in the afternoon Just like old Chief and Charlie I like to lay around in the shade Well I ain't got no money But you better believe I got it made Cause I ain't asking nobody for nothing Just leave this bald-headed country boy alone. Thank you all for tuning in to the Josh Terry Podcast, brought to you by Raising Grace Studios. want to give a big shout-out to all of our sponsors, Par Hopper Golf Apparel, Two Pilots Distillery, Nobles Networking, Project K9 Hero, Mega Knife Co. on Instagram, Gridiron Coffee, Go look up our guys up in Nashville at Creative Vets. They're not a sponsor on the show, but I love everything that they do. Shout out to our guy, Jesse Wayne Taylor, who does the intro on our show. And it is voting season down here in Georgia. So please go look up my guy, Mr. Bruce Thompson, who is running for labor commissioner and our management and distribution company, Red Circle. On the show today, I've got a dude that is – he puts on the best rider rounds in Nashville to me. Every time I'm up there, I have to check this guy out. My big brother fucking loves him. Uh, Mr. Nick from Raised Rowdy. What's up, brother? Hey, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, just just living the dream up here in Nashville. Beautiful day, as always. It looks like you still got a little bit of a tan from Key West, by the way. I'm so yeah. jealous, man. Yeah, it, it, uh, it was definitely a burn, and it turned slightly into a tan. <laughs> I... Uh, I was, uh, my mom's Italian and Greek, but my dad is basically translucent. You can like see the sun through his skin. So <laughs> un- unfortunately I get that burning, you know? Yeah, dude, I don't do, I got, I call it trailer park skin, brother. I, yeah. I, I, my ass don't do nothing but just burn. Yeah. Like it never, ever gets tanned. If you see me tanned then something is real wrong <laughs> with me, like I probably have like jaundice or some shit or, yeah. I've, or, or something really bad has happened to me. Uh, like I was saying, man, every time I'm up there, there's certain people, there's certain rounds that I'm looking for. Uh, Cause I don't get to live up there, but I'm up there. Once a month, once every six weeks for a week at a time. Your riders round with Ray's Rowdy and Kristen Kelly's say something worth saying are the two that I'm always making sure that I got to catch one while I'm there because it seems like you've got the most talented, the best musicians to me. You got the best riders up there. Um, and dude, I just I appreciate what you do. And I know that I've never heard a bad damn word said about anything <laughs> that you do or you, man. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I'm uh I'm super blessed to have such an amazing round that we uh you know got to start. It's been a wild ride since we started it. We're about a year and a half in, and it's yeah, it's been a roller coaster of of goodness. <laughs> um got to move to Nashville during the pandemic. Uh, my day job at the time went fully remote. And as soon as it did, I was like, all right, I'm moving to Nashville. So that's uh, and then once the turn of the year came about, it was time to start the writer's round. But, what, uh, what were you doing before? I figured you had been in Nashville a hot minute. I didn't realize you had just got there during the pandemic. No. Yeah, man. I, uh, I lived in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 
actually had uh, started Ray's Rowdy there with a buddy of mine, and he's still back in Pittsburgh. And um, we started it and basically had a, had a radio show in Pittsburgh on uh, Y108 up there. And then I had, you know, ran the event. We did a couple events in town. So we did a few whiskey jam takeovers. So we like took over the lineup of whiskey jam and had a bunch of the Ray's Rowdy family like play it. And then we did some uh, other events at where Live Oak, one when it was Frisky Frogs before it was Live Oak, and then one when it was Live Oak, um, uh, a writer's round that was called Sunday School that Grady Saxman, who's a great producer in town, hosted. We did a couple events with him. So when I when I talked to Hasten once they bought that bar, uh, he was like, man, why don't you have a writer's round here? And I was like, well, I don't live here, man. And he was like, well, if you do, let me know. <laughs> And then as soon as I got to town, I was like, hey, man, I'm in town now. And he was like, let's go. <laughs> I, I absolutely love that guy. Live, yeah, Oak is too, my, Live Oak is probably my favorite place to go yes. to. Uh, the atmosphere is always – It's I can't do Broadway. Same reason why nobody else can do it. I got right. – I mean, We've all got buddies that play down there. That Every once in a while, you got to go check out a show. When I'm there, my buddy Blaine Bunning, if he's playing, I'm going to go catch him. But besides that – my fat ass ain't going down there. Like I ain't, I ain't built for it. Uh, yeah. But Live Oak just has literally the best, and and Hastings even been so nice to me because of Lee and everybody else. Um, I want to start doing when I'm up there. I want to start doing like a show, uh, like a live show before like the bar gets packed in the middle yeah. of the afternoon and everything. Soon as I told him the idea, he was like, "Just schedule it with me. I would love for you to do it, man." And he's just as nice and as welcoming as he can be. So yeah. I, I love that you do it there. Yeah, man. It's uh it's it's my favorite bar in town too. And I'm super excited to have the event there. And I mean, dude, they have every night of the week they have great entertainment. Like I would say that their lineup of events doesn't compare to anyone else in town. Like it's heads and toes above everyone. Our buddy Matt runs in the round up there too on Tuesdays. It's another great round. Thursday's Grindhouse, lots of great talent at all of those events. So I'm just happy to be part of that lineup, man, and uh, just passionate about country music and stoked to uh, get to help promote some of it. Yeah, uh, anytime I've ever been there, I've never been disappointed leaving. Yeah. Like I, I, I've just, I haven't. There's, it does not matter. Even when uh, the first time I've even seen full band there, or my buddy Dustin Herrick, yeah. uh, he was playing there a couple Saturdays ago, Friday yep. or Saturday when I was there. And I didn't even realize they did full bands there because every yeah. time I had been there, it had been riders rants. Yeah. And it just seems like who, whenever you go in there, it's just something you're going to hear there that you're not going to get to hear. Well, where I, where I live at anywhere in South Georgia, I right. ha, I have to literally beg people to go look up riders rounds. I have to beg them to pay attention to songwriters where I'm from because they don't get it. Yeah. And even the bars in Macon that aren't, but like, 45 minutes from me we're trying to get some stuff to where i want to start bringing songwriters down here to play at the smaller bars and it not just be i like the cover guys everybody likes the cover guys but there's too many talented ass people that should be up there playing some of their stuff and people getting to know them that's why i love with love going to a writer's round and i think more people would be receptive to it in my area if they just knew what it was yeah man i'm i'm a big fan and that's like i mean all of ray's rowdy started from me just being a 
fan of music and being a fan of songs, you know? And even before we hit town, we had a big connection with the songwriting community, you know? Like, I was always one of those guys looking up who wrote what songs and, you know, like, trying to figure out, like, why did this song sound like that song, you know, and that kind of thing. So, like, there's certain writers where, like, if you hear a Hardy song, you can kind of hear Hardy in it, even if he's not the one singing it, you know? Same thing with, like, Jonathan Singleton you hear Jonathan Singleton, a song that he wrote and you kind of hear Jonathan in it. It's a, it's so crazy just to hear and be around the community of folks that are just like amazingly talented, but maybe they don't want to be artists. Some of them do, some of them don't, you know, but the talent that they have and what they bring to the country music world is like, just can't go uh, without saying enough about it. Yeah. I, I just, Around here, I wish there was somebody like you, and I can't do it. Like, there's, I've got too much shit on my plate because I've yeah. even thought about with me already having the studio and everything that I've got, and trying to produce other people's shows and everything else like that. Like, I really thought about trying to do like the Raising Grace Writers Rounds, mm-hmm. but it's just it's not for me. It's not it's not for me because I already got my hands in too much shit. Yeah, and. But I wish more people could hear it. I wish more yeah. people, because I am a fan. And, that, and that's why I'm just obsessed with going to them now. Well, here's another thing I'll tell you. Like, so Revival, which is a great writer's round in town, currently on a hiatus in Nashville, but they're doing events outside of Nashville. Like, they're doing, like, writer's round tour. And so is Grindhouse, which is what's on Thursday at Live Oak. So, if, dude, if you – I think that would be a good connection for you if you want to get those guys down there because they already have yeah. it built out, you know. Um, it, and they're taking that on the road, and they're they're having people that are playing their original songs, and they're getting some hit songwriters to come or some up-and-coming artists, you know what I mean? So it's just – the hard part is when you hear an artist's name that you know, of course you want, want to go and you want to buy a ticket, right? If you hear a songwriter's name, you probably don't know it right unless you're really deep into the scene like we are so it's it's has to become something where it's like oh i know this is going to be good i'm going to go out i I don't know the name of these folks but i'm going to go out because i know it's going to be good it just takes some time to build that so you kind of need like a bar or a venue that's willing to like kind of take those lumps a little bit well see we've got one that we've worked with like we even brought trey lewis down here though like two weeks after he came out with dick down in dallas yeah we got, we got crazy bull in macon oh, so yeah. like the first time we wasn't the first big show that trey did but it was like that first the, run the like the first run of it like i remember what i paid him now and now he was just on at bridgestone like last <laughs> week so it's yeah. fucking crazy right and nuts. so like we could do stuff there but the bad thing about doing stuff there and it is like the probably the second or third biggest country bar in the state of georgia you don't have a receptive audience to a writer's round. Right. And, and I wish you had that here. Like people, but also people don't know what the fuck they're missing. That, right. it, you know, like I think that you could have people come down. I think raise the folks that you have, man. I think I, I could book a night that would blow people's minds at that location. But the thing would be is getting them to pay attention. Yeah. Like the last thing you want is a bunch of riders out there pouring their hearts out. And then you got a room full of people hollering out, play friends in low places, play yeah. free bird and shit like that. And they're up there, got smashes. Well, yeah. And that's, that's the thing, man. It's like the only place that you see stuff like that's Nashville, right? Because 
you do have people that get it. And one of the things that I pride myself on with Rowdy on the row is that it's a room that is fun. You know, it's fun to be at. We have a good time. We drink beers, but we also are an ambassador to the song. So when the song comes on or the artist comes on, they can take that stage over. And that's one of the cool parts about Live Oak and how it's set up with like seating and things like that is that you have people that are there to pay attention to the song. You also have people that are there to party, right? And it's going to be a mix of that. But it, it, when a song really hits, you'll see someone take over the room and it's beautiful to see that. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, there has been moments when I have been at a writer's round and a certain song comes out of nowhere. The l- last time I was up there, I was at uh, at the local and a Blue Foley was putting one on. I think it was Freak Show. Yeah. And you had Bobby Pinson get up there. Oh, and, yeah. and Bobby gets up there and he plays this song called Shave. And, oh, and I had been around like Vaden and some more people and I'd been introduced to Bobby before but didn't know him or whatever. So I'd never heard this song. And when I did, I lost my granddaddy Christmas morning. So I'm back there in the back sitting with Kimberly Atwood and Lee's fat ass. And I'm literally like trying to put my little fat ass finger in my tear ducts to try to hold up the tears from coming out my eyes. You don't, you don't get that anywhere in my opinion, unless you go to a writer's round. And, and, And unless somebody actually goes sits there and, pays attention to the shows that you put on the rest of these guys put on, man, you just don't catch that stuff. Well, guys like Bobby Pinson are a once in a generation talent at songwriting. You know what I mean? He really yeah. is. He's one of the absolute best on the planet. Not only that, but like some of the things he says just in conversation, you're like, man, that's so clever. You know? Hey dude, he, this is what happened that same night. I was, uh, I ended up leaving the local and going to Red Door. And I uh, came here, I went with Pearl, uh, whatever the hell Pearl's last name is. And um, got over there, sat down with Vaden and Bobby. They start telling them about the podcast being like in the top 1% in the world, Vaden does or whatever. And uh, Kristen's been on the show a couple times and everything. We've had her writers' rounds and other stuff on there. And, uh, Bobby and me start talking and I'm like, man, I'd love to have you on the show sometime, dude. And he's like, yeah, man, I'd love to. And he's like, we're fitting to go to the studio. Do you want to come hang out with us? And I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I do. (laughs) Like I I completely blow off the people I'm with. And I'm like, Bobby Pinson just invited me to his studio. I'm going to the studio. And I I end up sitting on his couch and in the studio and drinking with him the rest of the night till like six o'clock in the morning. And the most <laughs> dude, Nick, the most embarrassing thing that could have ever happened to me it, that I feel like happened to me. Uh, it got towards the end of the night and I've done got to where, and I'm sure you're like this in business. I don't know how much you drink when you go out or whatever. I know when my cutoff point is like, because the last thing you ever want to do in those rooms is embarrass yourself. Like right. you don't want to get sloppy drunk. And there was already a guy in there that came along with somebody else that was sloppy fucking drunk. <laughs> and you could tell like he was, he might, I'm not saying that he was getting on Bobby's nerves, but if I'd have been Bobby, he would have been getting on my nerves. Um, so I end up walking out the door to call an Uber and telling everybody bye or whatever, as I'm walking out the door and saying thank you, Bobby. I appreciate it. And all this kind of good shit. As I get out the door, I hit call on Uber. They say it's going to be an hour for one gets there. And what? I'm, and I'm like, shit, well, I'm going to go back inside. 
automatic lock on the studio door. I don't have anybody's number in there but Vaden. My phone dies. Oh. Like, literally dies. I turn or It starts to blink or whatever, so I turn it off for a second. I get locked out of the studio, and I luckily got just enough charge or whatever to where I got to call a buddy, and it ended up working out okay. But I didn't know how to get anybody to get back in the studio. And I'm sitting there the whole time freezing my ass off. <laughs> I'm in it like I'm in a short sleeve shirt. And all I'm thinking about is, well, I could go knock on the window that they're in the room of, but I don't want Bobby Pinson being like, why is this motherfucker knocking on my studio window? <laughs> so I decided to freeze my ass off and just wait on my ride <laughs> instead of inconvenience Bobby Pinson. Yeah. I think he would have been fine. Bobby's a good guy, man. He really is. He's extremely nice, dude. I, yeah. I, I sent, uh, I had some people the next day message me because I posted it like on Instagram. I was like, I don't know how the fuck I'm in here. And <laughs> like, I, there's no, Those are the best nights though. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know how I ended up in here. Like, really? Yeah. A and it's weird. Every time I go to Nashville, I've, I've busted my ass to get to where I'm at here with the show and, and everything. And I, I do put in work. I do put in time and effort. But it's every time I go up there, dude, even meeting you the other day, like I, I, I appreciate what you do. And it's just the circles of folks that I keep running into and the people you keep meeting. It's kind of weird. And like even with you working with this big and loud now, right? Big loud. Yeah. Big loud. Like. Yeah. You coming and just getting into Nashville, uh, what two years ago now? Yeah, a little under like, that, yeah, about a year and a half. It, it's got to be like that with you with their roster of people, right? Man, it's nuts. It's uh, it's crazy because like my podcast, uh, I was the first person to ever have Ashlyn Craft on a podcast. Okay, cool. And I was the first person to ever have Sean Stemley on a podcast. So two of the artists on the roster like have been raised rowdy family since before they even were signed to Big Loud you know so it's super cool to like get in there and honestly man like big loud's the coolest record label in town you know so and uh it's dude that all started from me having that radio show back in pittsburgh so i had a I had a editorial radio show in pittsburgh where i would play hub and spoke so i'd play a song that you know and then a song that you wouldn't know right yeah. and i'd explain to you what why these two are the same uh basically like I would play like Luke Combs and I'd play Ashlyn Craft and I'd talk about them both being on 58 for publishing, you know, stuff like that. Like that that's Luke's publishing company. So um, I was like telling that story and kind of like speaking to the people that are like fans. Right. So kind of like the same thing where you're like, I wish more people knew about the songwriters. I would talk about I'd play two songs in a row by the same songwriter, you know, so kind of telling the story about who that songwriter is. And I'd have liners from songwriters, not from the artists sometimes, you know. And I played Larry Fleet, That's Where I Found God. I played that song on the radio before it hit radio. Dude, you know? that is insane. I will send you the screenshots in just a second. I did the same thing with Larry. My, Like, I think it was, I, I can't even, I'll have to go look it up in just a second. So on Instagram, our messages. The first time I heard that song, That's I so knew, I knew that Larry was going to blow up and he did a, like an, like probably a 40 minute interview with uh, like probably that long, but we had to clip it out of course uh, on radio. Yeah. And, and dude, 
I just knew right then I was like, this is the guy. Like this guy so is going to be somebody that everybody knows. And now the fact that Morgan is up there singing his song and everything is like, and I like Morgan Wallen. I like Morgan as much as the next guy. But when Larry Fleet sings that damn song, can't nobody touch him. His voice is just so pure, you know? And yeah. And that song is so pure, you know, whether you believe in God or not, you know, you, you believe in something, you know, and that's a, I think that's like, it's like the working man's preacher, you know what I mean? Kind of song. And it's just, God, I love, I love Larry. I got to have him on the podcast during the quarantine. We did like one of these, like a zoom podcast with him and uh, lucky to be on a label that has a roster. Like we have, man, I'm uh, over the moon to have a day job as cool as that. My old day job was not that cool. <laughs> yeah. I I'm envious of you. Um, <laughs> I have no idea how it happened really, but you know, <laughs> well, you, you've got that personality. You're real likable. I tell, uh, I tell Lee Tucker all the time. Um, it's not just cause I, he's like my big brother, but I always call him the mayor of Nashville. There's this certain, yeah. there's, there's certain people that, that literally you guys are so likable. And you're so genuine and you have such a love for music that people gravitate towards you. And you just know that regardless of what it is, you're made to be in that spot. Like you're, you're only going to keep rising in that spot. Um, I'm not trying to, you know, sound like anything when I say this, if I could live in Nashville, I don't know how long it would take me to get in the door at somewhere. I think that it would shine through just like you. I think I think that I would get a job somewhere like that. I think yeah. I think that I would, and I think they would see this how passionate I am and how hard I want to work and be a and be a part of all of it. Good Lord knows he didn't give me no damn singing talent. Yeah, and, same. Yeah, <laughs> and, and because uh, and just because of my buddy Jesse Wayne Taylor and um, him teaching me how to start writing a couple months ago, me helping with creative events and everything, I'm just now getting into writing. And I'll be honest with you, it ain't bad, but it damn sure ain't good. I yeah. mean, I mean it's, well, man, it's like anything. You got to work yeah. your butt off to get there. You know, it's uh, in songwriting more than anything because it's it's creative, but it's also like it's formulaic and creative at the same time, and, and it goes a certain way. I I've never written a song myself. Me and uh, me and Rowdy Rob Williford wrote like a third of a song one time, and by we, I mean I said like two words, and he wrote all of it. <laughs> but mostly we were just getting messed up when we did it. So. I look, I, I get buddies. I get buddies all the time because I'm real good at like one liners, like even on the show mm. or being around people while I'm drinking, I'll say something. And one of my buddies will be like, before I ever even, I think I've wrote like six songs now, if that is since January. And I, they would ask me, they was like, Hey, can I use this line? Like, can I use this as a hook or whatever in something? And I was like, well, shit, well, maybe, maybe I do need to try this. Like if I'm good with that, but then I figured out that one line and that one good idea is easy. Mm -hmm. Rest of that shit is hard as hell. Yeah. That's the hard part, man. And I've never like really played guitar or anything either. So me it's either. Like yeah, so like I have melodies in my head sometimes, but nothing like what these guys have, man. And that's why, that's why they're there. There's so many people that want jobs writing songs, but there's only a few people that can actually do it on a high level, you know. And uh, I, I've never gotten into that because, again, like there's so much on my plate currently that 
I don't, I think the amount of time I would have to like put into trying to be good at something like that would be extremely high. And my skill set currently doesn't involve that, but it involves things that can help folks like that, you know? Well, and so that's my part of the music world. Well, this, this is what got me into it. What was crazy, dude, is back in January, I was up in Nashville and Creative Vets organization came and did my show. Um, and like, uh, some of the songwriters and, uh, one of the guys that's kind of in charge in it and Jesse Wayne Taylor, and they heard me tell the story about how, when I was young, I think when I was in middle school, um, I used to love writing poetry, used to absolutely love it. And I was also an athlete. I was a pretty good athlete. And I th think it was the baseball team. It was baseball or football at the time season. And I had got a poem that was published in Young Poets of America. I entered a competition, got it in a book or whatever it was. And, like, the team was just relentless on my ass. As being like a 12- or 13-year-old kid that was writing poetry here in the South, like, they gave me shit, like, dropping every slur, homophobic slur or whatever they could drop on me and everything. So it made me quit writing. It made me not want to. It made me be like, okay, well, maybe I just need to be a jock, you know? And I wish somebody would have told my fat ass then, they're like, hey, look, you're never, you're going to grow up and maybe be five, 10 and a half at the most. Like, you're not going to be a professional athlete. Let's put a guitar in your hand. Let's teach you how to write. And let's, let's, you know, let's give you that. Like, this is what you're good at. Like, let's, let's feed that passion. But instead, I didn't want to be that guy. Um, what's funny about that dude is uh, at the Creative Vets golf tournament two weeks ago up in Nashville at uh, Old Hickory, um, they know how big of a fan I am of Aaron Lewis. And they Aaron just recorded a couple months ago that Call Me Doc song that is a Creative Vets song. So they introduced me to him. So me and him ended up talking for like 30 minutes, like bullshitting back and forth. And uh, I tell Aaron – the story, like that story right there. And he's like, I just want you to know, when I was in middle school, I was in chorus and I got picked on. He's like, people were giving me shit about being in chorus. He's like, you think they're fucking picking on me now? <laughs> and, I was, and I was like, God damn it, Aaron Lewis. <laughs> well, man, and that's like, that's what it's about. Like, it's funny because like growing up, like there's a lot of things that I did that people would call nerdy, right? And, yeah. but I played football too, you yeah. know? So it's like, uh, I went to a Catholic school. So it was like, you could get away with doing nerdy stuff and not too many people would pick on you, you know? But, uh, man, I just, I, I had a guitar class when I was 18, my senior year. I just was not good at it. And again, I think it's something that you have to really put yourself into. So it's, it's God given talent, some, but mostly it's hard work. And I just wasn't ready to work on something like that at that time. Yeah, I went and bought – it's sitting behind me right here. I went and bought a Martin back in January. And I guess my stupid ass thought, you know what? This is going to come natural. <laughs> I will tell yeah. you how hard it is. And I have neglected it probably the past month because I tried to do what people told me to do and just like, hey, look it up on YouTube. But I, I'm going to actually have to have lessons. Like, I yeah. know me. I, there's no way. Some of these people that are just going to get it right off the bat, they might have been able to look it up on YouTube. I'm going to have to actually have someone sit here with me 
and teach it to me. And I, I didn't realize that. Like, I, and I hate it because the people that were telling me to just look it up on YouTube, I should have damn known better. We're all musicians. <laughs> right. like, they're all songwriters and singers. They're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And then what made it even worse is Lee Tucker's bitch ass. Uh, <laughs> when I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, what? what's a good starter guitar? Like a good one. I go to Guitar Center to buy one. And I don't want to get the cheapest one, but I don't want to get like, a super expensive one and me not knowing no better he's like just get like a a, a series x martin or whatever well, that's, that's a good one like a 700 guitar and then i buy it and i bring it back to the studio or whatever and i call dustin heron and he's like what did you get and i tell him and he's like you stupid son of a bitch why did you get like something for like 200 to learn on like <laughs> you're a moron and I was like, well, that's what Lee would have done. He's like, that's Lee Tucker. He also bought $800 worth of golf clubs the first time he bought golf clubs. <laughs> like, and he doesn't play golf still. Like, like that's, yeah. Um, yeah, dude, it's, it's hard. But at the same time, it has been having like that therapy of just writing. And it, it gives me something else to connect with my buddies to. Like yeah. up there, you know, it's it's being able to, I don't know, man. I mean, you, you've been in those rooms. You even, yeah. even if it's just being able to sit there and pretend like you're part of it, even yeah. if, I, even if I don't say a word and I just get to watch the process, it, it, it's enough for me, dude. Yeah. I've gotten lucky enough to get invited to go on a writer's retreat and uh, yeah, it's cool. Just seeing that happen, you know, just to be a fly on the wall almost, but uh, man, it's, I just think there's so much to do in the music world, you know? And uh, for me, like, I think it's cool. The idea of writing a song. And honestly, like I've had people that have like the same thing, like wrote down, wrote down hooks that I've like uh, from things I've said, right. Their mind are always working. It's always collecting, but yeah, man, for me, I just think like with my skill set and like what I'm currently good at, promoting music and like telling people what's good and like trying to help out people that need it is like something that, you know, for me, that is super fulfilling. Well, I think that's kind of where I'm at too, to be honest with you. I want to do the songwriting stuff, but I'm so far away from being to where I feel comfortable with it to where like the stuff I kind of do now is, is just my stuff. Like, uh, I I mean, there's some local boys here now. There's some bars around here, uh, that I got one or two guys that play some of the stuff that we wrote together. Um, and that, and that's all good and well, but I, I'll, I'm not ever taking anything that I do up to Nashville and being like, Hey, here you go, fellas. Like, Hey, I'm not resenting that shit to nobody. Like that's that's not, that's not for me yet. And it might not ever be for me, but I do like the, the fact that, that you're comfortable with your lane because so am I like, I know what makes me happy doing this show, promoting people and everything, putting other people's stuff out there. It makes me happy. And it makes me happy when it makes them happy, I guess is when they feel like, I don't know if you feel like this, but you ever had somebody do one of the Ray's rowdy shows and they think that you're doing them a favor by having time, them man. on your show, but in, in in actuality, you're like, you realize that it was a blessing for me 
that yeah. your ass has got up on the stage under raised rowdy. That, yeah. that, that's how I feel when somebody does my show. Yeah, it, dude. And that's a hundred percent it. Like it's, it's wild to me. It's crazy how many people apply to play our round. I'm like, I host twice a month and I book an artist and then I have them bring their friends. So I book like eight acts a month and we've probably had 175, 200 people apply to play it. And I'm like, I have like 20 events a year, you know, like, so it's, it's a wild thing, man. And it's, yeah, that's why like, whenever I have someone come, we have a crown heads, which is like our cigar sponsor. So like we have cigars at the event that I'll give to the artists if they're cigar smokers, you know, and then I always try to get them in some raise rowdy gear. It's that's a good use of our marketing budget is to like give back to those people that came up and played those songs for us for free, you know? And, uh, man, it's, it's such a blessing. And man, I remember first time Lee played the, the round, he was like, he was a little drunk. We were probably at red door and he was just like, <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. Yeah. And he was just like saying how thankful he was just to be a part of it, man. And it's just, Stuff like that just motivates me so much, you know, because again, like I'm just happy to be a part of this community, like a guy with no musical talent that just loves country music and loves the songwriting community just to be a part of it is just a, literally a dream for me. You know, like I literally feel like I'm living in a dream down here in Nashville. Man. Yeah, uh, dude, I could not have said it any better. Whenever Lee is going on a songwriters retreat and I get invited just so I'll bring like the podcast equipment because one of the things that I do is I will take all of our equipment and I'll record some of the, like after they have wrote some new stuff, some new material or like whether it's just them bullshitting, having a good time or whatever, like us is playing them playing. One of the things I love to do with the artist dude is I love to have them kind of cut loose, have a couple drinks and play and talk at the same time, you know, some of the songs that got them into music. Cause you know, like when they're playing a bunch of it turns into work for them. Yeah. And, and I try to make it to where when they do my show, I want them to have fun with it. I want them yeah. to cut loose. I want them to go back to where you got into music for in the first place or why you got into music in the first place. Yep. And Lee will invite me to go do that stuff with them. We just had, 10 people in here a couple weeks ago from whenever they came to do the writer's retreat here in Eastman that Lee put together. Yeah. And man, you, you got to see John Haywood, and Kimberly Atwood and Lance DeBrock and uh, one of our real good friends, uh, Justin Dukes and, mm -hmm. and so many other people that were here. Mr. Eric was fucking here. I can't ever say his last name. Uh, it's so weird. Um, but you had all these people and Pearl, I'm not, they're going to get mad at me if I don't say name. Pearl and Kate Hastings and everybody, like you, you had all them here. And like it was just something special. And I shouldn't be able to be part of that, is how I feel most of the time. It's like, why am I part of this? I appreciate y'all letting me in, but y'all let me know when I'm not supposed to, you know, be here or any of that shit. Well, man, I think I think they see the value in what you do. You know what I mean? Because like, again, like as a community, there's so many people that are working their freaking ass off trying to get their songs heard and trying to get better at their craft and get songs that they love and that other people love. There's something to be said for someone like you or someone like me who really just wants to help, you know, that really just loves the music, right? We're the consumer. We're yeah. their target market. 
you know, country music fans, we're their target market. And that's kind of like what Raised Rowdy is. It's a collection of people that are like us. We go to the concerts early. We stay late. If we get cool experiences, you know what I mean? And you're a good member of the crowd. You know, you're not an asshole to folks, you know, like be good to the people around you. Well, that's usually what I, I mean, whether it's your rounds or the people that that does my show or whatever, man, that's what you get. But mm-hmm. I really do think, I think there's always like this transition period too in music. Um, and I think that we're right there at that cusp of the next transition. And yeah. I think the folks that you have, and I think the folks that I have, um, that have, you know, done raised rowdy shows or done my podcast or whatever. I think what they're looking for is a home. I think they're looking for a place because they're in between right now. They're not, they're not on radio yet. And honestly, you know, like I do, you coming from radio, me coming from radio, you don't even need radio necessarily anymore the way you did 20 years ago, 10 right. years ago. And in 10 years from now, I don't think you're going to need radio at all. I, yeah, it's, it's going to be a completely different game. Yeah. I think that stuff like you're trying to put together, stuff that I'm trying to put together, I think that is where, with social media involved in it too, I think that's all you're going to need. I think, honestly – that everybody in Nashville is going to need a you and they're going to need a me and they're going to need every social media influencer that actually likes and understands country music in the next 10 years. Cause that is going to be the only people they don't, don't get me wrong. And I had to have my ass checked on this a couple of times by, by a couple of musicians in Nashville, not in a bad way, but they had to remind me something that there are certain musicians that I might not like in Nashville. That, that are more poppy than I would prefer or whatever to each their own. But if, let's say, if Lee writes a song and one of these poppy artists want to buy it, he's going to sell that damn song to them. Like, it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got to. So you can't knock people, right? But yeah. there's a whole genre, there's a whole group of people, I guess, not genre, that want to hear more traditional country. And they want to hear that type of stuff. And that's not necessarily what all you hear on radio anymore. So I think when you find that happy medium of a podcast that can not go by the billboard top 40, whatever they consider the top 40. Yeah. And, and then a podcast to put that together to where that person can just say, Hey, this is my music. Like this is this is my pick, but you're also gonna get me sitting here talking shit the whole time. Yeah, I, I think that's a gold mine. I, I I think I think it's a gold mine for people. Well, man, like what it comes down to at the end of the day is like we're curators, right? Like as a round host and as you know a website owner, uh, basically we are curating what we think is good. You know, and honestly, for me, man, like I look like what you, like you're talking about. I love the traditional sounding country. I love steel guitar and songs. But man, if there's a good poppy country song, I'm like, man, that's a good song. <laughs> you know, like I remember being back in Pittsburgh and the program director in Pittsburgh was like, wait, you like this guy? And I was like, yeah, I mean, the songs are good. And he puts on a great show. Dude, everyone loved talking shit on Florida Georgia line. But if you ever went to a Florida Georgia line show, and you didn't have a good time, you were, it's your own damn fault because it's a fun concert, man. Yeah. Is it like the most like well thought out lyrics all the time? No cruise was cruise. Right. Like, but like at the same time, we would roll a bus of 20 people to every FGL show 
and we would have a good time and you can be as drunk as you want to be and you're still going to know all the words you know well <laughs> so there's, there's something to be said for that they're not hard to remember when you right. <laughs> <laughs> but no no i i get it i get it and that's where it's one of those things that you have to you have to know your environment yeah and and, and everything like i can't I can't bitch about going to Broadway. Like if I if I'm gonna go there, I have to know what I'm gonna have to listen to. Right. You know, if I'm gonna go to Live Oak, if I'm gonna go to the local, if I'm gonna go to, you know, anything like Music City Palace over and anything like that, I know I'm gonna get a different atmosphere. Right. Like right. if I if I want to party with half dressed women that don't give a shit, go to Broadway. Like it's it's a party vibe. Yeah. And, and and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't like when people bitch about it. Like you got to know what you're getting, you know, yeah. it, and, and you get that. But I, I know I completely get what you what you're saying. Like, it, it's not it's not always going to be my thing. But if you told me that a group of my friends were going to one of the to a Florida Georgia line concert, it would take a little bit convincing. But <laughs> I, I would probably go as long as everybody i knew that i was going with was going to get drunk and have a good time i'll tell you what after that 12th bush light you'd have the best time ever <laughs> i'll go ahead and tell you boss there wouldn't be, there wouldn't been a first bush light with my ass i do not yeah. I mean, well i take dustin heron has got me drinking them in the past when i've ran out i, I like my whiskey um, um but i just i can't drink beer no more i'm on this weight loss thing now and yeah, i'm on the uh, weight gain thing i think I, I did. It's all right. <laughs> I, I was there. I was there for the longest time. I was, yeah. <laughs> I got it to 330 pounds and I was like, you know what? I got to do something, bro. Like I'm, I am really fucking myself here. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I like with any of that stuff, man, if you want to have an intimate time, I love the riders rounds, but if you want to have a party, go, go do that stuff. I mean, you just yep. gotta know, you just gotta know what you're going to. Yeah, man. I, I head down to Broadway whenever my friends are in town from out of town. You yeah. Know? So I had, I had a bunch of folks in town, uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before. And we were down on Broadway and they were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I mean, any bar that looks fun, go into it. There'll be someone playing, you know, <laughs> like I was like, they're all the same down here. It's all cover music. And they're like, well, where do we go to hear original music? I'm like, uh, the Mumbrian street or, uh, like but not during the weekend you know <laughs> like that's what like they're like i was like if you want to come here live music come sunday monday tuesday wednesday thursday you know yep, yep. That's, that's usually when, when you want to be there that's usually when i book my trips yeah. I, I usually go sunday to thursday mm -hmm. what's bad is some asshole ends up talking to me in the stand Friday, Saturday. Though. That's probably Lee Tucker. Yeah, no, that son of a bitch don't get off his couch. Yeah, man, I'll he go lives all the way out in Franklin now. That's why. Since that, oh God, since he decided to move way out there, now yeah. he wants you to come to Franklin, and it's just like, dude, I'm, you know, I love you, but I'm not coming to Franklin. I, I came to Nashville to do shows to, you know, book artists to come on there and do writer's rounds, to find some of these people that have social media followings that, you know, that we've talked to on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, to have them be part of everything. I'm not going to come to Franklin just to just to sit there and watch Netflix with you, bitch. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, like, I'm sure it. I'm sure the bar down the corner is great, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. meet me at Live Oak. <laughs> well, I, I do. Live Oak, 
that little strip right there, because I used to like going to losers. I can't do losers no more. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. I'll tell you where I really am a fan of, man, besides Live Oak. I like going over to Music City and scoreboards yeah. and everything. Yeah. Like, I, when I go there, I still feel like it's not super touristy yet, even though I'm technically a tourist. Well, like, it's well, not. What's funny is that's where all the tourists used to go. Oh, really? When when Broadway was really, really shitty before it was like like redone and not ghetto anymore, they would like that's where they would go. So now that Broadway's back open, those areas have that like old timey vibe. And that's where you go to get away from the tourists now, because <laughs> it used to be like downtown wasn't bumping right until like the bars started popping back up. It was kind of like shady down there for a while. So that's when like the palace and all those places because they were kind of by like Opryland, that's where they'd get all the tourists at. Yeah. I just, I love it because that, especially Music City, Music yeah. City's got this guy, man. I don't know if you've ever seen him. My buddy Blaine Bunning turned me on this guy, and I have to talk about him every time it comes up. He's the ugliest person I've ever seen in my life. Have you uh, seen me, though? No, dude, you, make, <laughs> you and me make this guy look like a fucking. He makes us look like GQ models. Yeah. <laughs> like his name's Tom Bullard. I don't know if you've ever heard him, heard of him or seen him or whatever. Uh-huh. He he looks like Hank's like Hank Senior's son, like built just like him, but maybe had done a little bit of meth in his life, <laughs> maybe a little bit. But when you oh, talk, man. but when you talk about singing, oh my god, <laughs> like traditional older country. Like, I thought when I saw this dude the first time, I was like, what the fuck have you got me to come over here and watch? (laughs) And then the second dude opens his mouth. But that's also something that I love about Nashville. And I I love is you will see somebody. Mark Orient, you know Mark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Mark's coming down here to stay with me for a couple days in like two weeks. And I've told Mark this on the show before, like to his face, because we give each other a lot of shit. Mark doesn't look like he should be able to sing the way he does. Mark, <laughs> Mark looks like a fucking meth dealer. He looks like he, he Kimberly Atwood calls him meth Mark. Actually, <laughs> like we were giving him shit one night on a on an episode of the show, and uh, but he's so talented. Like he's he's just so talented and such a good writer and singer and just an amazingly good person. Great oh. hang too. Yeah. Oh my God, is he? Yeah. yeah, Mark is a good time. Yeah, and man, he played for us down in Key West last year during Songwriters Fest, and it's funny because Kurt, you know, Kurt that does my podcast with me, he's in yeah. Luke Combs band. He's still a player. He's like, if you wrote country music, this is the songs you would write, and it was Mark. You know, and I yeah. was like, you're right. Yeah, Mark is just fucking. Oh, dude, he's he's special, but it's it always tickles me when you see people that you would never think that they're as talented as they are. And then they open their mouth or they hit that first lick and you're, you're just hooked and you don't get that anywhere else. And you almost don't get that in any other profession. If you ask me, like, yeah, it's where you're just so shocked by somebody in their talent. And I, I I just love it, man. I, I just love it. And the fact that you help showcase a bunch of these folks that, a lot of folks aren't going to know these people one day because they're going to be just songwriters. And that's where I still, every time I come up there, Barrett Baber is one that just recently that. Le- so good. Yeah. 
Barrett's amazing, and Lee's introduced it to me a couple times. But if it wasn't for Lee telling me, this is Barrett Baber, these are the songs he's wrote, I would have never known he's responsible for a couple of bangers from Kojo, like, yeah. and everything else. And it's just like the fact that people like you showcase these people to where folks need to acknowledge the art and not just the final product. Yeah. Dude, I can't tell you. This is cool shit to me. Well, and part of that, man, is like, think about like Chris Stapleton for how many years he was in, you know, rock band and like bluegrass band, but writing all these great country songs. But he had that voice the whole time, you know, <laughs> like he's getting Kenny Chesney to cut a song when his voice is five times as good as Kenny Chesney's, you know, that's how that world works sometimes. And Barrett's one of those dudes, man. Barrett's voice is insane. It's so good. You're yeah. like, how did he not make it as an artist? You know, like, and I think he's still doing that thing, but it's like, how is he not bigger? You know? Yeah. I don't understand with some people. Uh, I wow. have, I have a hard time understanding that. I get, I think most of the time, what I think it is, is it just, they didn't fit an image, but at the same time, it's just like, kind of fuck that image, you know, like, well, that's always changing too, man. Yeah, It's like, it's, it's, I always say like, if you're looking for four things, to tell me that a person's going to work as an artist, right? It's the songs have to be there, right? So you have to have the songs, whether they're your songs or you're cutting them from someone else, they got to be there. You have to have a voice that when they come on, you know who it is, right? So you know exactly who it is when you hear that song on your playlist or when you hear it on the radio. And then the it factor can be a lot of different things. Right now, the it factor is becoming easier on TikTok because there's stuff that's popping on TikTok that's making stuff work. It's that like thing that you can't really like clarify exactly what it is. And it can be different for everyone. Right. Yeah. And then the other is an iconic look. So for me, it's like Luke Combs. When you go to a Luke Combs concert, half the crowd's dressed up as Luke Combs. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And like, like think about like Morgan Wallen with the mullet. Right. Think about Ashley McBride with like the tattoos and you know, her, like her, like certain cuts of shirts and things like that. Like, in my head, like my favorite people that I think are superstars in the genre, you could dress up as all of them for Halloween, you know? I like that. I have, yeah. I have, yeah, I get that. Cause uh, I actually, when I was still working in radio, I went as Cody Jinx one year. Yeah. Uh, we had, we had to dress up. Yep. It wasn't hard with the beard and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, I, I know it's changing all the time. And I really like, I, I talked to Allie Colleen about this when she did the show last year. Mm. And I and I really like the fact I'm a girl dad. And I really like the fact that it's kind of changing to where like more of I don't think we've ever seen like this. I think the women in country music have always been like this clean cut southern bale type of thing. I really like now to where you're seeing like these badass women yeah. like covered in tattoos, this kind of wiry and mean um was it casey tindall or am i Kis, yeah, casey, Tis, tisdall casey tindall's right yeah yeah I, I, I always fuck her name i've only met her name up like i've only met her a couple times she's but great. she's such a she's awesome and uh at, um you said her earlier before we got started not Ashley craft oh, ashland craft that whole yep. like young group Lainey wilson yeah oh yep. good lord uh like that whole young group I think that they're such badass. Even Hannah Dasher, who's one of our buddies, yeah, uh, I love Pr Pr Priscilla Block, yep. like all of them, 
they're different than I feel like women were in country 20 years ago. Well, if you think about it, it's like you had that Gretchen Wilson thing that happened for a minute, right? Yeah. But there wasn't a ton of that, right? And in town, it's like Bridget Tatum is one of the badass writers that writes like that, you know? But, man, there's always a crop of girls that I think are great. And Ella Langley's, right? I mean, Ella Langley is currently popping off right now. And she's one of those girls that has, like, the slad songs, but also has the, like, bad bitch songs, yeah. you know? But, yeah, man, we've been – so, like, our first ever event that we hosted, Megan Patrick played. That's cool. So, yeah, man. And, you know, we got to be friends with her. And then – so, like, we started working with Ray's Rowdy for some festivals. So, there's one called Blame My Roots that's in Ohio. It's in the eastern side of Ohio, close to Pittsburgh, which is where I'm from. And she – uh for that event casey tyndall got like we got her booked so and then this year casey tyndall is playing that country concert which is the other festival we work with that's on the west side of ohio so we have this year two like the day before the main festival starts is called like the camper party and we have Ray's rowdy camper party at two festivals in ohio which i'm super stoked about so we are officially being part of two different festivals in ohio which is like the area close to the area where i grew up from and the one festival we just did that round last night, which I'm sure when this is published, it'll be a while from now. But uh, oh no, this is literally going out tomorrow. Oh yeah, well, oh yeah, yeah I put I put my shit out the next day right away. Okay, <laughs> well yeah, man, it was like it was it's super cool to like be able to like get some of those artists put on, you know. So like for country concert, I talked to the guys that run that, the Bar Horse family, who are fantastic people, and I was like, hey, you guys have an Ohio stage. Why haven't you had Dan Alley play yet? Have you seen Dan Alley play? I haven't. I don't even know who that is. Oh, boy. I'll tell you this. They play this thing. Dan Alley and two of his good buddies. It's called Austin Alley Jones. So it's Andy Austin, Dan Alley, and Will Jones. And their three-part vocal harmonies are some of the best things that I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? Dude, they play shows um, out at the scoreboard, actually, on Tuesday. I think they play every Tuesday. And, uh, man, it's like... It's it's like Diamond Rio, like Shenandoah, like that's not that, the, that harmony stuff. They're not the ones that go by like what is it? It's like Bushlight Trio. Yeah, yeah. That's so them? that's just a different version of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they have yeah. like a couple different versions of their buddies. They have like a big group of friends. But man, when those boys do that three part harmony like that, that's my favorite thing in Nashville right now. Yeah, I've actually had like several people. I think I caught them one Sunday at scoreboard. Yeah. A actually, because there were so many people telling me like, you have to catch these guys. Dude, they're so good. And Dan's been good for years. You know, he's maybe, I don't know, maybe 25 now. And uh, I think he moved to town, you know, a couple of years ago. But man, it's, it's wild watching those boys play because you're like, this is something special. And again, like you don't see stuff like that any place other than Nashville. You know, and they're they're sets like a mix of covers and originals. You know, I can't wait till they get enough songs where it's like all originals, you know, or mostly originals, you know. But yeah, that, man, it's it's so special just to be here in Nashville and watch that stuff grow. Yeah, dude, that's what I live for. That's why if if my daughter was which I, I'm glad that she's not 18 yet. I'm glad I got seven more years, but I I love that I'm still where I only get to come up there a limited amount of time because it's like I don't have to see it every day. I, I would love to see it every day, but at the same time, it's every time I go up there, it's like somebody's had a little bit more time 
to, to you know better. to get a little bit more better to add another song on to fix something if they were gonna fix it and the fact that you get to see it every day in and out or whatever it's until people go up there and see it yeah it's they don't understand what they're missing well man that's like ali colleen like i remember seeing ali play a few years ago what she's a beast. heads and toes better now what like a she's, fucking beast. She's wildly talented now. You know, like when you watch her, you're like, wow. Like that's like the owners of country concert that were at the festival. They were like, who's that? You know, <laughs> like, but it's so great to be able to like have a round where you have folks that play it that like uh, other people will come up and be like, who was that? Like we had a band called Dave's Highway play last night and these people came up and they were like, who are those three people on the end? And they're a, they're a family trio. So it's a brother and two sisters. And their voices just, of course, are perfect together, you know? And, man, they just blew people away last night. And it's so cool because since we are on a Sunday, we can get a piece of that, like, tourist crowd. But if you're coming there, you're coming there because you want to hear live music, but you're coming there because you know that it's originals, you know? So, like, that's part of what the Rage Rowdy thing is, is, like, hey, we realize you might not see this all the time, but if that Rage Rowdy name's on it, I want you to know it's good, you know? And that's something I pride myself in. Dude, you should. You should. Uh, like I said at the beginning of this, right before we ended, I'll tell you, and everybody that's listening, if you go to Nashville, I know you're going to want to do the Broadway stuff. You have to if you're a tourist. I get it. Do it once. But plan your trip around going to a raised, rowdy rider's round. You're, you're going to see something. You're going to hear something that you're not going to get anywhere else. One of your rounds that you like, there has been so many things that have been sent to me or I've seen on social media from your rounds. And it's the artists that are on them that are just so amazing that one day, folks, you're either going to hear them on the radio or you're going to hear that song cut by, by an artist that you already know and love. Yeah. And you're not going to get that by going to hear the same thing 50 songs if that many on broadway like you you can go listen to that shit in your car anytime and it's not shit i shouldn't say that but you know it's fun but it, it's fun it's a good time it's a good time but if you want to go to nashville thing that, the only thing that bothers me about nashville dude is i get the tourist side of it i get the bachelorette the bachelor party side of it or whatever but i wish i would have got there 40 years ago when it was still just all about the original music when it was all about like the people that were grinding that you had music sex going into the smallest rinky dink bar because you had somebody there playing for tips try hoping to get their song heard you know like that's that's where i think riders rounds and why i'm so passionate about like pushing them and pushing riders because it's the only thing about old school nashville that still exists to me is it is that it's riders rounds it's like the palace and roberts western world you know if you ever go to broadway that's where you go go to roberts you'll catch some good stuff there I don't even know if I've ever been to Roberts, man. That, well, when you're back in town, let's go together. Oh, we, we, I, did, you'll be like, you were right, Nick. <laughs> well, see, like I, I know, like I had seen you a couple times and like, I know we'd follow each other on social media, mm. but I'm so weird about like meeting people. And I don't Dude, know why I am too. I'm yeah. so, I'm so like, when I saw you that last time and, and like, I was there with Lee, I was like, 
bitch, I know you know him. So let's just, just go introduce me. So yeah. I don't, I, so I don't, so I don't feel awkward or whatever. Like I want to go introduce. You. So next time I'm up there, yeah, we'll definitely. Well, de- and hey, I'll tell you this too. You'll have to. It'll be the first one. When I get with Hastings, I want you to be part of this. When I when I get with him about doing a riders round live from yeah. Live Oak with the live with the podcast and stuff. Yeah, with the podcast and everything where we're bullshitting, yep. but we're also recording a show, Riders mm-hmm. Round. Definitely want you part of it. And yeah, you can and like and I won't leave part of it too, but you can help me pick the other two or three people that we put on it. And uh yeah, we'll make it a raise rowdy slash raising grace thing and li- live that. oak thing and all that kind of stuff Dude, it's all about networking us help everybody helping everybody you know there's a you know like i do there's a big enough piece of the pie dude that's the best problems. part about nashville right it's like the people get that you know and honestly me like coming from like the blog world right like literally everyone except one group were super nice to us like the country rebel guys are super cool very nice guys like they're like hey man we love seeing what you're doing. You know, it's cool. Like you're doing your kind of like own version of it. You know what I mean? And like, dude, Ward from whiskey jam, literally the nicest human on the planet, like brought us in with open arms, super freaking cool. Um, like I'm best friends with Matt Burrell that runs in the round. Like he's one of my absolute best friends. So it's like, we both host events at live Oak, but it's not like it's competition. Like we both want each other to succeed and have successful things, you know? It's not about it's not about having the coolest thing in town. It's about promoting and helping the coolest stuff in town. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, and our stuff's different. Like I'm like beer drinking country, and they're kind of like weed head country. You know what I mean? Everybody has their own kind of like lane. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I I've got to meet uh, Ward one time whenever whenever Dustin headlined uh, Dustin Heron headlined Whiskey Jam back I think in November, and I went up there. Um, I liked him. He's one of the guys that I would love to sit there and pick his brain. You, yeah, you know, you can't like, do it at Whiskey Jam. Oh, absolutely, absolutely yeah. not, absolutely not. Like yeah. I got to meet him, I got to shake his hand. I literally got to tell him for like two seconds. I was like, and Dustin wanted me and him to meet each other. I was like, hey, look, I got a top one percent podcast in the world at like four million. I would love to have you come on and do an episode, talk about Whiskey Jam or whatever. He was like, here's my email, hit me up. Never heard another word from him. And every time dude, I see Ward's busy. Oh, yeah, I know he is. I know he is. But yeah. it's one of those things is like that dude in my mind, everything that he has built, me and you are on the way to just in different ways, you know. Like I, I think I think Ray's Rowdy could be everything that whiskey jam is. I I think that what he's got with the Apple show or whatever, like I don't I don't know what numbers and everything he gets or whatever with that, but I think that like we're probably very comparable. But the people that he has on with it, like I want to get some of them artists on, you know, like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I want to get to be buddies with some of these folks. Dude, Ward is the benchmark of what it means to be a ambassador to music. Right. Yeah. Like, dude, when you talk about the mayor of Music City, like that's the mayor of Music yeah. City to me. You know, that's my mayor. It's yeah. freaking and Ward Gunther, man. And and just seeing how open he is to people and how like how nice he is to folks and how like intuitive he is to what's happening in scene. Like it's funny because like I had that show that we were trying to get syndication on our Razor Rowdy radio, right? Like on terrestrial radio. And like I remember telling him about it and he was like, Oh, that's cool. Well, he already had the Apple show, it just wasn't out yet. You know what I mean? So which is like, you know, a great national platform, right? 
Uh, so it's like he was doing that same thing. He's hearing me talk about basically what the same thing he was kind of doing. But with Apple, man, they have the artists get that. So he gets those big label artists and he gets the that stuff. And it's funny, too, because like when I talked to him, he was like, man, I wish I had as much flexibility on what I played as what you do on your radio show. But that's why my radio show is on one or two stations and not, you know, a nationwide audience. Yeah. Because it was me picking it, and the program directors do not like that. Uh, no, that's one of the reasons I got fired. Um, but I also, probably the same way you did, and I have not had anybody else that worked on radio on this. Those program directors are so out of touch with what the actual listener is wanting to hear. And as a person who is a host of a show, we have to sit there, and we have to see the text line. We have to hear the call line. We have to actually hear what the person wants to hear and we also know that just because the music consultant that is telling us what's number five or number one or whatever that's not necessarily it i remember when tyler childers came out with his last album and it was number one across the board all over itunes and everything else but it wasn't in the top 40 on anything that we were going to play at the biggest country station at the state of georgia and we couldn't get it played so I would play the shit when I wasn't supposed to. And when they got found out, they were like, well, you can't do that because it's not. And it's like, but you're playing this that is a top, like at number 39 or 40, and nobody's asking to hear it, but you've got 200 people saying, hey, play Tyler Childers' song right now that's number one. What sense does that make? And then you find out the – the money behind it, who's paying the consultants and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, you guys are so out of touch. There's a reason why terrestrial radio is going to fail and people like Ward and you and me and whatever we do like this is going to succeed. I mean, you think streaming's any better? There's, there's less gatekeep. There's gatekeepers. There's less of them, at least with program directors. Like they have like one station or five. There's like five people that are in charge of all of the biggest playlists on all of the streaming services, dude. Yeah, that's we still what, have gatekeepers. We just have a new boss now. Yeah, but that's why you have to have like when you do like my show, like when you do this, you have to have people that are willing to kind of go against the establishment when it comes to that shit. And I think that's why artists, when they do my show, well, they usually ask to come back on like Trey Lewis and me. I didn't realize how it's, – it's a funny story between me and him. When we had him on the show, when Dick Down came out because of, of because of Lee Tucker's dumbass, he sent me the song the second <laughs> it came out, and I booked him. And then me and Trey got to be kind of buddies, and I didn't really know how he felt about it. Had no idea. And then when his the next stuff he had coming out in the middle of last year came out, we kind of talked. He wanted to do the show, which was awesome. Then he played Macon again a couple months ago. Well, I, I walk in and I had not talked to him in a long time. And uh, I catch him at the very end of his show. He's got like a couple songs left. I walk up next to the stage or whatever. And the dude's like, literally, Josh Terry, I fucking love you. Like out of nowhere, like he doesn't owe me that or anything. Like, and it's just one of those things to where after the show, we sit there and talk or whatever. And you can just tell that maybe an artist isn't getting pushed where they ought to be getting pushed and they appreciate folks like me, like you, like with your rounds, with my show, because 
we're wanting them to be heard because they deserve to be heard. I, I mean, we get 50,000 downloads a week on the show. Uh, sometimes we get a good bit more than that. And it just depends on who we have that week. And every time I do my best to, to push my friends that are artists that I think deserve it, but I also push the artists that I sit here and listen to. In the background right now, I got Zach Bryan. Uh, his new album just came out. That is a fucking masterpiece. 34 songs of the best songs I have heard in a long time. And it's all poetry to me. Like it, none of them is anything that's going to be on the top 40, but it's literally the best yeah, shit. It might be. That cowboy song is about the only one I can hear that would make top 40 and the yeah. aren't and the orange song. The one, uh, but, but it should be, I mean, it, it should, it should damn well be. Well, and, and don't think the program directors aren't paying attention to consumption charts because they are right. So that takes into account all of the streaming stuff, all of that, right? At least the program directors that are worth a shit are, you know? <laughs> so like they know what's happening, but they also know that until your program director is not going to play a song until that record label sends it to them. So Warner has to decide they want to put 10 grand a week behind a song to try to fight that uphill battle to get that on radio. They haven't done that with Zach Bryan yet. I just don't know why, man. I also don't. Is that the lane Zach Brown even wants? I don't even think Zach wants to tour, dude. I think he's tired of it already. You think so? I think well, so, man. Well, him, him coming from the military to what he's doing now, I could see why he would be if he yeah, wanted. That's to, a, a whole different beast. Yeah, he can. I, but I also don't see why there's certain people like Co. Why they haven't pushed more Co to be on radio? Co all, songs all have f bombs in them. That is true. I, mean, that, <laughs> I used that, to play "Fuss and Fight" on the radio. Yeah, but yeah. that's because that one didn't curse. You know, yeah. I had to edit a bunch of songs so that I could play it. But like, dude, dude I'd, I'd play Childers. I'd play Co. You know, well, like that's stuff I, I'd play. Dude, I had the worst version ever of Feathered Indians that I used to play on radio because it says "fuck" in it, and where it says "fuck" in it. I don't know where I got the clip from or where I've got the edit from, but it literally it's just like it stopped for that millisecond. <laughs> it was yeah. it was it was horrible. But so many people requested it and everything that it was just you, you had to. And you're probably right. Zach might not want to coming from the military to want it. Yeah. You you can hear you have the, to want it, man. Yeah. yeah. And not just want to make good music. That's a whole different thing. But you have to want to be number one on radio. You yeah. have to go on that radio tour. You have to go suck suck some ass on some people that, <laughs> that make the choices of if your stuff's going to get played or not. You know what I mean? That's really what you're doing. So do you want to play that game? Do you want to, before every show, have a radio hang with all the radio DJs, right? I don't think Zach wants that, man. I think he wants to make his music, make his art, play the shows he wants to play, and that's it. I really think that's who he is. And that might be true. Like, I just got done watching a documentary about George Jones, and that's how he was. George yeah. George didn't even want to be on stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, so it, it's one of those things that I could see. You just don't hear that a lot. Like, if anything, you hear the opposite of it. You hear people spending way too much money on demos. Yeah. Like, it, you spend – like, you hear the complete reverse of it. So maybe that is the case with him. Maybe he doesn't want that. And I just – I've never thought of it that way. Man, and that's that's the game, right? Like, so we've had like Lainey Wilson on the pod and we talked about radio tour with her, right? So when we did that, she's like, she like was like, yeah, man, this is what you do. You, you got to love it. You know, you got to love going out there 
and shaking the hands of the people that are going to help you become a nationwide name, right? The, the way that the industry works now, you don't have to be on radio to have national fame. Look at what Zach's doing, right? Yeah. Zach did that while he was in the military, his stuff started popping. He couldn't tour because he was an active duty, you know, like, and then from there he got off that and started doing the tour. Now he's on a couple stadium tours with Luke. He has played the Ryman, you know what I mean? Like, but dude, he went, he went from playing 500 cap rooms on the same tour to paying 2,500 because the demand was there. Right. It's the same thing Childers was doing. Childers got booked in smaller rooms and that eerie popped off and got pushed to bigger rooms on that whole tour. But man, that's a whole different game. And it's crazy now. Like, dude, there's artists that their first gigs are after they have songs that have tons and tons of streams now. It's wild. Bailey Zimmerman's first gig he ever played, period, in front of people was my writer's round. No shit. It's which is wild to me. I didn't know that until that day, you know. Like we talked to his management company, we booked around, and he's like, Man, this is my first time. And I was like, playing at Live Oak. And he was like, no, man, this is my first time playing. I was like, playing a writer's round? And he was like, no, dude, this is my first time playing in person in front of people. I was like, holy heck. Like, that's nuts. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy. And, dude, he's about to have a gold record. You yeah, know? That song that ever he's got trending on TikTok yeah, right now, the, sec the second it drops is a fucking number one. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And it's like, it's, it's nuts that, like, that's where the scene's at, like, like Warren, Warren Zider's like, he's from Hershey, Pennsylvania, which isn't far from where I live. So like I'd hit him up like when his stuff started popping and I was like, yeah, dude, I'd love to have you on my podcast. And it just didn't line up because he was never in town, you know? And now, dude, he's signed with Warner too and big record deal and he's selling out rooms. They're selling out rooms on their first tours, you know? It's nuts. He's you, never played full band before. Do you think though, and I like... Because one of the things that I really love and I try to like push is people like paying their dues. Do you think that some of it's like fast come, like quick lived to where it goes away faster? Do you think like some of these guys are just going to I think you have a mix make, of it. You think so? I think you have a mix of it, man. And it really comes down to work ethic, right? Yeah. And so what you're talking about is that grind, right? Yeah. They call it a 10-year town for a reason, right? But that 10-year town is different for everyone. Right. There's guys that get record deals two years into town and there's guys that get record deals. Never, you know, I think you're going to see a mix of that. Part of it's going to be what kind of team do you have around you? Because, dude, especially now that I'm working at a record label as my day job, it takes an army for a release. And, dude, every song on a record has a score of how well it does. That's how they pick what goes to radio. You know, how's the acoustic video of this song do? How's the official music video of it do? What happens if we put some money behind it? it? Does it get more streams or does it not get as high percentage, right? That's what you're doing at radio. You're putting money behind it and hoping that the people like it. There's data on all that stuff now. The cheat code is TikTok. The cheat code that we have right now, it's A&R for the fans, dude. It, the fans will tell you right away if they like it or not, right? They'll tell you right away if it means something to them. So there's kids that are talented that didn't know that making music was an option when they were kids, right? Imagine if you were 21 years old, you wrote your first song and you were like, man, this worked, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what's happening to these kids. So like that thing where you're like, man, I wish I would have like learned that young, that this was a thing that I could do. Kids are having that dream come true. 
And then they're like, oh crap, now I got to learn how to play guitar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh crap, now I got to learn how to be on stage. You know, what's that look like? Okay, let me go get a vocal coach so that I'll blow my voice out. You know, it's just, they have the resources to help with that earlier, right? Where like, if you were 21 or 18 and you started writing songs, you're grinding, you don't have anyone helping you. You're just trying to figure it out on your own. They have a leg up because they have an online following built that sells tickets. TikTok sells downloads and it sells tickets. That's the thing that like when it first started, they didn't know about, you know, they were like, is this going to equate to actual fans? Dude, Cooper Allen's selling out freaking venues. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have the best voice in the world, but he's a very good marketer of himself, you know? And it's like, at, at some point it's a mix of like talent, hard work and things happening at the exact right time. Like, dude, for me, like when we started Rowdy on the row, I started it during quarantine. You still had to wear a freaking mask when you weren't sitting down, you know? But that's why I was able to have Luke Combs play our writers round. Flatland Cavalry played. You know what I mean? Like like Drew Parker, Ashley McBride, Riley Green. Within six months, I had all those people because they were in town. I'd hardly play it. You know what I mean? Like all these artists that had no business coming and playing for free at our writers round did. But it's because of the stuff we did before I moved to town. And it's because timing, right? And some people will call that luck. But there was the three years I put in of Ray's Rowdy from Pittsburgh before I moved to town. We had a good name in town before I was in town. It's like Kurt being a part of what we're doing. Kurt's Luke Combs steel player. He's a great photographer. And he's one of the best human beings on the planet. You know what I mean? So him being involved in it is like, oh, this guy says this guy's not awful. He probably is not awful, you know? So it's like, dude, being good to people and like putting in that work, you know, makes things work. And that's that's what's happened for me. People call it luck, but it's putting yourself in the right position at the right time, you know? Some of it's luck, but most of it is hard work. And it's the stuff behind the scenes that people don't see. Absolutely, dude. I feel the same way you do. I think that's the perfect way to end it. Uh Cause that's the same way I feel. Um, there's so much shit that me and you do that folks will never see. They don't see the phone calls. They don't see the messages. They don't see the, the hours of looking through social media, trying to find the next person that nobody knows about to have on the show or the next person to have on your writer's round or whatever. Like they don't get the time and effort it takes, man. And I just appreciate that you put in as much effort as I do. And I knew you had to, you too, man. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I knew you had to, and uh, I just appreciate Nick, you taking some time out of your busy schedule to hang out with me for a little bit. And Dude, when, Sam, I, when I'm back, having me. anytime, brother. And uh, you got any events or anything coming up that you want to promote real fast? Or any, any rounds or anything? In town, yeah, if anybody's in town for CMA Fest, we are kind of having a best of the people that aren't playing CMA Fest at Live Oak, Saturday, June 11th from 3.30 to 7.30. So like while the side stages are happening, we're having that event. So come on up and see some of the people that will be playing events like CMA Fest in the future or have and should be on this year, but aren't. <laughs> we got a really great lineup. Uh, it's not totally finalized yet, so I can't tell you, but I'll tell you it's some folks you're not going to want to miss and some folks that in two or three years, you're going to know their names. Well, you make sure you keep your cell phone on you because I'm liable to come up there and uh, you just go open that back door next to the come on, we'll let you the, the men's restroom. <laughs> so I don't, I don't like sending that damn line. <laughs> so. I, I'll buy you, I'll buy you a whiskey and I'll drink a bush light. 
All right, that sounds good. We'll we'll try it out every other round. But man, I, right. I appreciate it. And uh y'all make sure y'all go follow my guy Nick. Tell him your social media stuff real fast, too. Yeah, you can follow Raised Rowdy at, at Raised Rowdy, and then you can follow me at Raised Rowdy Nikki T and I C K Y T. All right, folks. Well, thank y'all for listening to the Josh Terry podcast. I will catch y'all next time.